concluding our series today on unshakable love. And so if you have your Bible and you want to just follow along with what we're going to be doing, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to just simply look at one verse today. It's verse number 7. And what we're going to look at or what we're going to see in this one verse is the kind of love that God has for you. And one of the great things to discover is the kind of love that God has for you is it is a love that will never, ever give up. God always loves you. Now, I think that that's, that sounds so good, and we would like to, to look forward to and think of our God loving us that way, but I think a lot of us struggle in loving other people in that way. Uh, you know, it's, it's really nice when you love someone, and it's convenient, and it plays out well for you, but it's, it's not always easy to love people. And so because of that, what's very easy to do is for us to sort of, you know, withhold our love and kind of stand back a little bit. And so what, I, what I'd like to do is I'd just like to just ask for a couple of little responses from you all. And again, nothing personal, nothing that's going to embarrass anybody. But whenever you think of maybe some reasons why it can be a struggle to actually love someone, what are a couple of things that are sort of challenges that people face and why it's difficult to love? Anybody? Want, let's, let's start with one. Hurt? So what somebody said, yeah, you can love somebody. You can get hurt when you love people. Uh, that's, that's, that's a good one. What's, what's another reason why sometimes we're a little tentative to love others? Selfishness. Yeah, we like to, I don't know about you, I like to hoard it to myself. You know, if I give out a little bit of love here, that means it's less to give out somewhere else. So we can be selfish with love. Uh, and, and a lot of times when we love other people, they end up burning us. And, and it, it hurts and we don't really like that. I can give you all an example. Uh, right in my own family. I was on my phone and uh, my, my daughter is the one who got me on on Instagram, and so I was like, I wonder what Janie's doing, and so, you know, I got on Instagram, and I looked up Janie, and she unfollowed me. Can y'all believe that? I mean, I just sat there, and I was, I, you know, I, I was crushed in spirit, and I've been weeping today, and so I told her that today, and she just sat there laughing, because she doesn't have a heart. So, you know, whenever... <laughs> Whenever we talk about love, sometimes it is difficult to love people because, man, sometimes people are going to, they're just going to squash you like a bug, Janie. And so that's just really hard to deal with. And I want to find out why you quit following me and I can't follow you. But anyway, uh, you know, sometimes we just we struggle with the whole idea of love because, of, because we've been burned before, because we've been hurt. And so we don't want to, we don't want to let it go so easily. Well, it's interesting, whenever I look into Scripture, I see that Scripture gives us a definition of what biblical love is, what godly love is. And, and remember, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It is famously known as the love chapter. Now, I've shared with you all before, but Corinth was a place that sort of thought they had, a, they had their corner market on love. You know, they were the experts at love. I mean, why in the world would Paul write them a letter sharing with them what love really is? Because, you know, they had a temple that was built in Corinth to Aphrodite, the goddess of love. So it would have been very easy for them to look at that and think, hey, we, listen, we don't need any instructions on love. We're the experts on it. But the problem was that the kind of love they were demonstrating, it, it focused mainly on the physical side. 
And so what happened is that there was a lot of, there was a lot of immorality, a lot of corruption, there was a lot of hurt, and none of those things are qualities of godly love. And so that's why Paul, he, he wrote them this letter, he gets to 1 Corinthians 13, and he begins to write to them and share with them what a true biblical love, a godly love looks like. And one of the qualities of godly love, love is that it never quits. It's just constant. keeps on coming. Now the question is, why does godly love never give up? And we're going to start out with what the scripture says. If you look in verse number 7, it says love, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And so the very first reason that we see in our text why love never gives up is because love at the very beginning of verse number 7, it says it bears all things. Now the word bear, when you talk about love, it bears all things, it, it kind of has like a negative connotation to me. You know, whenever I think of, if I'm going to love someone, that means that I have to, you know, I just sort of have to bear with it to be able to love someone. You know, that just, I don't know, that's not very attractive to me. You know, I can't wait to get married so I can learn how to grin and what? Bear it, right? So I look at verse number seven, love, it bears all things. Yeah, it's like it's weighting me down. And I think that does not sound like a whole lot of fun. It's like love is torture. You know, there are times whenever love's, you know, I, I'm going to love that person even though I can't stand it, but I have to do it because love, it bears all things. But here's what's interesting. Whenever you look up the word bear and what it means, it means this. It means to cover closely. It is the idea of putting a lid on something to keep it from, to keep it from leaking and damaging another person. And I thought, I, I like that. That, that is so much more positive. And when it says that love bears all things, it's speaking of love as a covering that is protective. It is the same word that's used in 1 Peter 4.8 where it says, Above all, maintain an intense love for each other since love, it covers a multitude of sins. Now, whenever you love someone, whenever you care for someone, one of the things that you want to do because you love them is you want to protect them. You want to cover them over. If you see a weakness in their life, you don't want to expose the weakness. You want to cover it over so that you can make them stronger. You want to bear them up. And whenever I see that, I see, I, I, I see that being as a, a positive. It's not something that is you know, horrible and depressing, but it is love is lifting somebody else up who needs help. A couple of years ago, there was a, a good example of this with a middle, a middle school football team, and it made national news, and it was about a group of players. They came together, and they had a, a young man that was a part of their team, and he was a guy that just simply needed to be, bear, he needed to be bared up. He needed to be lifted up. He was not physically as strong as them, but they wanted to lift him up in order to honor him. And I thought, that is a good picture of verse number 7 to me when it says that love bears all things. And so we just have a little video from this news story that I think gives a really good picture of what godly love looks like. So let's watch that. We end tonight with the football play of the month. It was executed with amazing precision by the Eagles, the Olivet Eagles. Steve Hartman has the play and the post-game analysis 
on the road. Between classes, they schemed and conspired. For weeks, the football players here at Olivet Middle School in Olivet, Michigan, secretly planned their remarkable play. Did anybody go, this is a crazy idea? No, everyone was in on it. But like the coaches didn't know anything about it. So we were like going behind their back. I've just never heard of a team coming up with a plan to not score. It's just like to make someone's day, make someone's week, just make them happy. The play, which was two plays actually, happened at a home game earlier this month. The first part of their plan was to try to get as close to the goal line as possible without scoring, even if it meant taking a dive on the one yard line, which it did. The crowd was not happy. Quarterback Parker Smith. But us kids knew, hey, we got this. This is our time. This is Keith's time. Keith Orr is the little kid in the brown jacket. He's learning disabled, struggles with boundaries, but in the sweetest possible way. Because of his special nature, it's no surprise that Keith embraces his fellow football players. What is surprising is how they have embraced him. Hello. We thought it'd be cool to do something for him. Because we really wanted to prove that he was part of our team and he meant a lot to us. Nothing can really explain getting a touchdown when you've never had one before. Which brings us to part two of their play. If you didn't see Keith, it's because they were so protective of him. But he was in the middle of that rush. And when you crossed the goal line, what was that like? Awesome. <laughs> now I thought that was I thought that was a neat story as a, a team that came together to surround somebody else in order to lift him up. And so whenever our text talks about that love bears all things, I think it's a good picture of what it means to bear all things. Now, whenever we see a weakness in somebody else, we don't want to exploit it, but we want to cover it up. And, and that's biblical. Uh, we're told in Galatians 6, 1 and 2, Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit watching out for yourselves so you also won't be tempted, carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You know, if we're on the same team, then one thing that we want to do is we want to support each other, love each other. We see a weakness, we want to cover it over so that together we can be stronger as a team. So whenever the Bible talks about love and biblical love, it is speaking of that kind of a love, a love that builds others up, that, that bears, bears them up in the midst of their weaknesses because we all have them, and we all need to be strengthened. So I look into our text, and I say, why doesn't love ever give up? Why doesn't godly love give up? Well, because it bears all things. Why, why doesn't godly love give up? Well, you're going to see where I'm going here. It's going to be pretty easy to follow along. Verse number 7, it says, love, what does it do? It bears all things. And then the next thing says, it believes all things. A, a quality of godly love is that it believes all things. Now, you so, say, what does that mean? You know, as a, as a pastor, there's a lot of times when I'll talk to people who are getting ready to get married. And so they'll come in and they'll talk to me. And, and I will, you know, I'll kind of, I will know them a little bit. I'll know some background information. And so it's an opportunity for me to get to share my incredible wisdom on marriage. Now, here's what I've learned about wisdom. Wisdom does not necessarily mean that you're smart. It just means that you've lived longer than somebody else, and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember when I did that. That does not work. 
And so that's sharing wisdom. And so I will listen to them, and they will, and I will know that one of them, they, they don't have a job, but they want to get married. And so I ask just sort of, you know, because of the wisdom that I have, I ask the question, hey, uh, like, how are y'all going to eat? And then they respond, we're going to live on love. And then I'm sitting there thinking, I didn't know you could eat love. You know, I just I don't know how that works out. And so whenever we talk about love, it believes all, all things. But Paul's not saying that you, just, that you just sort of check your brain at the door. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 14, 15 says, The inexperienced one believes anything, but the sensible one watches his steps. Now this seems to contradict verse number 7 because it says that love believes all things, but then we're told later on in Proverbs, or earlier in Proverbs, that we need to be sensible and watch our steps. Now, so what does that mean? Well, an inexperienced person will just simply take things at face value. And, and it's like they, they do, they check their brain at the door. So somebody said it, so it's got to be true. And they never do any investigation. And we see this all the time. I mean, if you, if you watch the news... You know, sometimes you will see stories that are put out there that are absolutely not true. Uh, some of you have experienced this personally where somebody had said, has said something about you that you know is not true, and yet they just accepted it at face value, and it ended up destroying your relationship. So, so what does it mean that love believes all things? V- very simply, it means this. It means that love believes the best in others. It believes the best in others. The word believe, very simply, it means to believe. It means to place your faith in, to place your trust in. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, it's, it's, not, it's not in my nature to do that. Uh, my nature is to be a little on the jaded side. You know why? Because I've trusted people before. And I've been burned, and I've been let down, and I've been hurt. And my natural response is, yeah, that's not going to happen again. I'm going to cover over myself. I'm going to protect myself. And, and so what can happen is it can taint my view of other people. And I'm very suspicious sometimes when people do good things and I question their motives and I wonder what they're really up to. So I say, well, then how am I supposed to believe all things and be godly in my love with other people? How does that play out my relationship with my spouse? How does it play out in my relationship with people that are close to me that I love? You may be surprised to know that believing the best about others, that it can have a profound impact on that other person when you believe the best about them. Now let me try to give you an example. I read a story about a guy named Edward Lorenz. He was a meteorologist back in 1961. And he was a guy who came up with sort of like the whole computer modules for, for weather. And uh, so he was typing into his computer some numbers to predict a pattern that the weather was going to take. And I'll, uh, he was going to type this in. He's going to type in .506127. But he decided he's kind of in a hurry. And so he just, he just typed in .506. And he, he figured, you know, a thousandth of a percentage point, it, it can't make that much difference in weather. When he got up the next day to check his computer module, it, it totally changed the weather pattern because it was off by a thousandth of a percent. And he began to wonder, well, well then does that mean that the flap of a bird's wing can impact 
what the weather is going to do in another part of the world. It's kind of interesting. 1972, he wrote a paper. He called it, Does the Flap of a Butterfly's Wing in Brazil Set Off a Tornado in Texas? Now, this became known as the butterfly effect. Y'all ever heard of that? So that's where it came from. Okay, now here's what's interesting to me. I think this can apply to us demonstrating love to others and believing the best about other people. And I really believe this. When you believe the best about somebody else, it can change the trajectory of their lives. Because you, in godly love, will believe the best about that person. Now, you might not see it in your lifetime. And it might, it might pan out and play out in the lives of their children, but I believe that is the kind of impact that godly love has whenever it never gives up. So, so why does it give up? It, because it bears all things. Because it believes all things. Thirdly, godly love doesn't give up because it hopes all things. Verse number 7. So we see that it bears all things, it believes all things, and you see it right there? It said it also hopes all things. Now, when it talks about hoping all things, it's not talking about, I hope so. You know, sort of like every year right now, I am, I am hoping that this coming year, that Carolina is going to beat Clemson. Now, you might say, well, that is a pipe dream. Now, that's a, now when it talks about that hope, it's not talking about the kind of Carolina-Clemson hope that we've got right now. It's talking about the word hope there. It means it is an expectation that we have that something is definitely going to to happen in the future. Paul gives a good example of this. 1 Timothy 4, 8 through 10, he says, the training of the body has a limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. In fact, we labor and strive for this because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of everyone, especially of those who believe. So in the context of our verse, it's saying that when we place our hope in God, we are expecting Him to move in our lives. And that means that there is no such thing as a lost cause with God. There is always hope with God. Yeah, and there, there are times when I will see people and they will go down a deep and dark path and I look at them and I think, man, that guy, he is irretrievable. I mean, even if, even if God showed up in his life, even God couldn't do anything. I mean, and if I have that kind of a view, that is, that is an unbiblical view. Because there is no such thing as anyone being beyond the hope of God. See, our God is a God who is an overcomer. There is not a person in this world who will ever be beyond the reach of God. And whenever we love people with hope, we are loving them into what we believe they can be in Jesus. Not what they are right now, but what they can be. Jesus changes people. I mean, do we believe that? Okay, now if he does, then we need to love people expecting that. We, we see that in the Bible all the time. You know, one of my favorite stories is there's a disciple that followed Jesus. His name was Simon, but Jesus gave him a different name. He gave him the name Peter. And the name Peter, you know what it means? Rock. Solid. 
somebody who's foundational. Now, whenever Jesus gave Peter that name, he was anything but that. He was a guy who would go from one extreme to the other in his emotions. But Jesus loved him because he saw what he could be in him, a rock. Another one is in the book of Genesis. There's a man named Abram. God came to Abram and he told him to go into a new land. And he said, when you go, this, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Do you know how old Abram was when God gave him that promise? He was in his 70s. So was his wife, Sarah. They had zero kids. God said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I'm sure Abram's like looking around like, who are you talking to? I'm in my 70s. But, but God looked at him, and he didn't see what he was. He saw what he could be. In Genesis chapter 17, did you know that God gave Abram a new name? He called him Abraham. Do you know what Abraham means? The father of many. Isn't that amazing? I think that's what Strom Thurmond means. So the father of many. I think that is so cool. When God looked at him, he looked at not what he was, but when he touched him of what he could become. Whenever Jesus was on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee, he saw a little boy walking around with five loaves of bread and two fish. Small meal. But Jesus didn't see it as a small meal. He looked at it and saw what it could be which is it could be a meal that was going to feed over 20,000 people. That's what it means whenever it says that love hopes all things. See, when Jesus touches a person's life, it changes them. So why does it never give up? Why does God's love for us never give up? Because it bears all things, believes all things, it hopes all things, and then finally, it's because it endures all things. That's the last part of verse number 7. It says, love endures all things. Now, the word endures, it is a military term. It means to hold a position at all costs. It is the picture of an uh, invading army, a superior force surrounding your army, and you refuse to surrender. You continue to fight. Another word for that would be perseverance. Now, I don't know about you, but I look at that thing. I, I don't want to love like that. I don't want to love where I'm surrounded, where things look hopeless. I like loving when it's convenient. You know, I like loving whenever I know it's a sure bet. And so what I want to do is I, want to pr- I naturally want to protect myself from loving because if I really love somebody, it means I'm vulnerable. And I don't like being vulnerable. C.S. Lewis, the author, wrote a book called The Four Loves. I thought this was interesting. He said, to love at all is to be vulnerable. He said, love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. Any of you ever, ever experienced that before? If you love somebody, there's a chance your heart's going to be broken. And if you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. He said so. Wrap your heart carefully round with hobbies, little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. He said, lock it up safe in a casket or coffin of your selfishness. And that is the only way it will be safe. And if you do that, though, you'll never experience the kind of hope that love can bring into a person's life. The way hope can transform and change the trajectory of a person's life. You see, that Luke chapter 15 is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's the prodigal son. You might remember the son, the son was, I mean, he was just a jerk. He told his dad, said, I'm out. His dad, his dad loved him, but his dad let him go. And then the son went wild. 
and then he was broken and he starts coming back. It was an opportunity for the dad to look at him and say, I told you, you can go find somebody else to live with. And what did the dad do? He ran to him and hugged him and greeted him and restored him and demonstrated the kind of love that never gives up. Do you know God loves you like that? God loves you like that. We're told in, in Romans 5.8, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And whenever I take that in, I'm humbled by that. That God would love me like that. And I'm reminded because he loves me like that, I am called to love other people like that. See, you know, let me tell you something. That love, is, love is more than a feeling. It is an action. And to love, to really love, takes the power of God. It never gives up. How come it never gives up? Because it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and it endures all things. Now, I'm going to close with this. This is what Jesus said in John 13, 34, and 35. Jesus said, I give you a new command. He said, love one another just as I've loved you. You must also love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, it could be there's some of you today, and, and you are you're just as normal as can be, and you are struggling with love right now. You might be struggling by loving your spouse. It could be that y'all are just, you're not on the same page. You're fighting with one another. It could be that, that you're struggling and loving your children. You've seen them just step away from everything that you've taught them and everything that you believe in. It could be that there are people that, that you're around all the time. It, just may, it could be just something as simple. You're just tired of them. And you're, you're tired of them. You're aggravated. I mean, you just don't want to be around them anymore. But I want you to know that God has a calling on the lives of believers like no one else. He has called us to love. Just as he has loved us. And so I just want to encourage you, if that's you, if there's any of those things in your life like that where you are struggling with love, I'll just encourage you in a moment we're going to bow our heads and you can just simply call out to God and pray to him and say, Lord, I, I pray that you'll restore in me the kind of love that you have for me so I can show it to other people. Lord, I pray that, I, that, that you'll teach me that, that love is something that bears all things and believes all things, that hopes all things, and it endures all things. God, may I love like that. And for others of you, it could be that, that you need to be under the love of Jesus. And you might be shocked to know that God loves you like this. And his love for you it never stops. And he is seeking you out. He is hunting after you. Maybe you need to surrender yourself to him today. And say, Jesus, I will accept your love. I will follow you. And I give my life to you. Now, what I'd like for us to do is just simply to bow our heads and to close our eyes. And some of you, you just might need to, to bring some things before the Lord and say, God, forgive me. And why, why don't you do that? Just call out to him. Ask for his forgiveness. Ask God to, to restore inside of you the kind of love that he has for you. And, and for others of you, it could be it's time for you to say, Lord, I, today I am giving myself to you. I want to come under your love. And I'm turning away from living for me, and I will follow Jesus, who lived and died and rose from the grave. 
And if you prayed that or something like it, let us know. Take your bulletin out and fill out that contact form. And you tear it out, put it in a basket, or ours will be holding as, as we leave here today so, so we can get you some information about growing in your walk with Christ. Heavenly Father, I am grateful that you love us with a love that never gives up. And Lord, I pray that, that we as, as believers, that we as a church will look more and more like you. And I pray these things in Christ's name.